Welcome to the podcast from Church of the Nazarene. Please subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. And you can also search for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. We also invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 on our YouTube channel or Facebook Live. You can also join us in person at 9 or 1030 for our English services or 1145 for our Spanish service. We also invite you to join Celebrate Recovery every Monday night at 630. Thanks for listening. Amen. He is for you. I love the words of that song from the priestly blessing of the Old Testament. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Well, man, it is good to be with you today. You guys, I haven't seen uh, a lot of you in several weeks. You look good. You look good. Last service, someone over there told me I look good too. You guys don't have to do that though. I understand. Maybe that was, I just looked better last service. Stop, stop, stop. I'm I'm joking with you, but it's good. It's good to be with you. Uh, I've missed being here uh, with you today. And hey, I want to begin just just sharing a couple things that I know to be true. We're going to dive into week two of our series in just a minute that began last week. But I want to share with you as I get started just a couple things that I know to be true this morning. One, I want you to know this. I want you to know that our mission as a church has never been more relevant, more important than it is right now. Our mission, and I use that word intentionally, our mission, our mission collectively. What is our mission? Our mission is to be transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. That mission has never been more important than it is today. And we believe in that. Maybe that's new to you. Maybe you've heard it before. You wonder why do we talk about that all the time? Because everything we do, funnels through that mission. We believe that mission is straight out of here, out of the Word of God, but we believe in the transforming work of God. And apart from that, we don't have hope, do we? Apart, I can't fix myself. I can't do it myself. I need the transforming power of God in my life, and we believe that God can transform us and will if we ask Him. And the good news is, if we allow Him to transform us, that's not just for our good. It's not just for our glory, right? We just sang that, your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. Uh, as He transforms us, we get to bring hope to others. And I just want you to know that's true today. I also want you to know that the Lord is calling us together. This is our mission. It's not just mine. It's not the staff. It's not the pastors. This is not the mission for the old people. This is not the mission for the young people. This is the mission for us collectively that we're in it together and we need each other. We need each other. That's never been more true than it is today. And finally, I want you to know that we we serve a God that can do all things. I hope that's really good news for you today. Maybe you forgot that. Maybe that doesn't feel true. I use that word intentionally, feel. Maybe that doesn't feel true today. It doesn't feel like God can do all things. But we serve a God who we we read about in in this story, in his word. We see it happening in our lives today. There's stories in this room of marriages restored, uh, cancer healed, lives resurrected, all, all kinds of amazing things that God can do. And I just want you to know that he can do all things, which means that the mission he's called us to do, he can do it. He can do it. He will do it through us through his people. That's good news today that God can do all things. Is that good news for anybody else in the room today? It's good news. Our God can do all things. So why, why do I begin with that today? Because we are in the midst, we're in week two of a series uh, and we're talking about our neighbor. We're talking about not just our literal physical neighbor that lives on the street, uh, those around us. And we're talking about uh, a big word, It's a big word. It's a churchy word. And so I want to unpack it for you together for just a minute. The word is this word evangelism, right? And as soon as I say that word, 
It might conjure up, maybe you have no idea what that, it just feels like a big churchy word. You have no idea what that word means. But maybe for some of you, that word, as soon as I say it, you get a little bit itchy, a little bit sweaty. Maybe when you hear that word, you think of somebody like a Billy Graham in a stadium full of people preaching and, and that's evangelism. Maybe you think of somebody that's just really extra, or you think of a pastor or somebody that's really extroverted and they love going and talking to strangers all the time. That's who you think of. Or maybe you think of having to go door to door against your will. I don't know what you think of when you think about that word, but we're talking about in this series, we're challenging ourselves because why? We just talked about a mission, a mission that we're transformed to bring hope to others. How do we do that? How do we bring hope to others? in the world in which we're living? How do we bring hope to others in the year 2022, in the days in which we're living? How do we do that? I think we begin by making it personal. We, we start thinking about one person in our lives who needs hope. One person in our lives who's desperate and they can't transform themselves, can they? They can't bring hope, they, they can't manufacture it, they can't buy it, they can't, there's nothing that they can possess or, or, or hold on to that can bring them genuine hope. They desperately need hope. I, I bet today, each and every one of us have one person in our life like that. Because really, this series is personal. This series is really about this question, what is God calling me to do? It's really not about what God is calling the person next to you to do. It's not really like, oh, what's the pastor going to do? What's the church going to do? This series is really about asking that vulnerable question, God, what are you calling me to do? What are you calling me to do for people around me that have no hope, that are desperate for something real, for real life? Last week, uh, Pastor Billy kicked off this series, and if you weren't here, go back and listen. It was a foundational message for this series uh, about understanding, that we must begin, we must begin by understanding. The irony is when we have these conversations often about bringing hope to other people, we want them to understand us. Well, let me tell you some things. Let me speak some truth to you. Let me know you, you, you're doing this wrong and you've got this wrong. And so I'm going I'm to show up. I'm going to kick the door down. I'm going to tell you some things, right? But what we actually began last week by saying, if we're serious about having a heart for people around us that are desperate for hope, we've got to begin first with a posture of understanding. We must be teachable, teachable. Right? I love this prayer of St. Francis. He prayed it this way. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. And then he said this, to be understood as to understand. What was he saying? He's like, so many times my effort, my goal is I want everybody to understand me. But first, Lord, help me to seek to understand others. And last week was about that. It was a, a powerful message in John chapter 4. The woman at the well, her life was transformed. Why? Because she was understood. She was fully known, yet fully loved by Jesus. And that should teach us something. That should show us something, right? That this idea of understanding, Lord, teach me to understand. Give me a heart to understand those. Give me a heart for their hurt, for their pain, Lord. Give me a heart to understand. Jesus said this to Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, who was hated uh, among the Jews, who was an outsider, nobody liked, right? In response to someone like that, Jesus said this, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus was saying, why have I come? What was my purpose here on this earth? It is to save lost 
people, those who are lost. That's why Jesus came. And if that is the heart of the Father, that has to be our heart. That's why we have a mission that points us beyond ourselves. That's why we talk often about bringing hope to others, because that's the heart of Jesus. He came to seek and to save the lost. Whoever will come into relationship with him, anyone who wants to be in right relationship with him, can be found. So this week too, we shift our perspective now. We begin with understanding, but this week we're going to talk about praying, right? The step towards really, Lord, how do I have a heart for those around me? How do I have a heart for people that are far from you? How do I have a heart for my neighbor? We begin now uh, by praying, and we're going to be, in just a minute, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 2. So if you have your copy of Scripture, you can turn there with me. And as you're holding it open there, 1 Timothy 2, I want to just state something that is foundational to this series, and that's this, that this idea of no matter how much the world has changed, no matter how much uh, people and cultures have changed, uh, how much technique, you know, we talk about that often, that the message doesn't change, the methods might change. So the methods may have changed around us. One thing has not changed, that reaching lost people is a God-ordained supernatural pursuit. When we reach out, things happen in places you can't see. Jesus said this, right? Don't take my word for it. Jesus said in Luke 15, I tell you that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. That was Jesus. I didn't make that up. Jesus said that. There's more rejoicing in heaven over one. So this is a heavenly pursuit. Right? Over the banister of heaven today, the saints, they're looking over the banister of heaven. And when one person, one person makes that decision to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ to find real, lasting hope in him, man, there is celebrating happening in heaven in places we can't even see. And now we turn to this focus on prayer. Why? Why prayer? Why here? So 1 Timothy chapter 2, you can remain seated this morning, but, but what's happening here? This is the Apostle Paul, and Paul used to be, used to be public enemy number one. If the church was getting together and they were praying and they were saying, uh, who's, who's the biggest enemies that we have, right? And by the way, people aren't the enemy, but if they were making their list, of, they would have said this guy, Saul. He persecutes Christians. He's dragging believers from their home. They're being stoned to death just for proclaiming the name of Jesus. But what happens in his life? He's transformed. He's transformed by by the power of God. And now he lives his life, not as an enemy of God, but but as a a leader in the church. And so he's writing to Timothy. Timothy is young. Timothy is trying to figure some things out. And so Paul is is sharing some wisdom. And so we're going to read in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul's words to Timothy. He says this, I urge you then, this is verse 1, 1 Timothy 2, I urge you then, first of all, right? So this is of utmost importance. First of all, that petitions and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people. I I need your help a little bit today. I need you to interact with me just a little bit. I I want you to say that with, say all people. Say it out loud, all people. That's important. Don't lose sight of that. He's saying, first of all, that petitions and prayers and intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people. I looked that up. You know what the Greek word for all people, you know what that means? All people. (laughs) It means everybody. 
Every person is included in that, right? Nobody is excluded. That we're to pray and make petitions and prayers and things for all people. And then he goes on to even highlight, just to make it even more clear, he goes on in verse 2, and what does he say? For kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives of godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. He's saying, what is he saying? We're to pray, we're to make intercessions for all people, even those in authority. And you know what that meant there, Paul? That probably meant Caesar. And Caesar was not really a fan of Jesus. He was not really making things easier for the church. Most people would have thought of Caesar as an enemy of God. But he's saying, you are to make prayers and you are to make petitions for all people. Yes, even that one. Even whoever it is in your life who symbolizes what, you know, that you may feel like they oppose you. They oppose the way of God. They don't believe what you believe. You're to pray even for that person. No one is excluded. Why? This pleases the Lord. This pleases God our Savior. In verse 4, we find out why. Why does this please God when we, when we pray for all people? Verse 4, because he wants all people. Say that again, all people. I know, I know, you're good, you're good. All people, what does he want all people to do? He wants all people to be saved. To come to a knowledge of the truth. For there's one God, and there's one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for, one more time, say it, all people. All people. So why does it please God when we pray for all, even the rulers and authorities, even those that, that, might, that might oppose the way of Christ? Why does it please God when we would pray in this way for all people? Because he wants all people to be saved. He wants all people to come to knowledge of the truth. Because there's one, one God and one Savior and one Jesus who laid down his life for what? All people. All people. Who is it today in your life? <laughs> Who is it today in your life that you struggle to love the most? Please don't look around the room. <laughs> Please don't say anything out loud right now. It's not a good time for that. Who is the person? You wouldn't, come on, you wouldn't have the audacity to say it out loud. And you really, the truth of it is, it's not just that you struggle, you really struggle to believe that God would love them, honestly. With how they live, how they treated you, with how they act, you wouldn't say it out loud, you wouldn't admit it, but deep in your heart, it feels like God can't love them. God can't love them. Well, what's the truth of First Timothy 2? The truth is, you and I, we get frustrated, don't we? We get hurt, we get jaded. We may give up on people, but, but, but not the Father. There's one Lord, one Jesus, who came for all people. And so we must make prayers and intercessions and petitions for all people. Because the heart of God is that all would be saved. That difficult person, yep, them too. The one who seems to oppose what you think and you believe, yep, that person too. The heart of God is for all people to come to know him. I was thinking of 
previous years in youth ministry. I got the privilege of serving here at this church uh, in youth ministry for many, many years. But I began in a church in Richmond, uh, one of my first ministry positions out of college. And there was a student there. Um, and, and if he was here, I would tell the story. Like he would be in the front row and I would say it. Uh, his name was Chip. And Chip was a, man, he was a hoot. He was a trip. Uh, he was, uh, when you work in youth ministry, you get to see some things and experience some things. And I love teenagers. Teenagers, I love you. Uh, but, but just some, some, not, not any of the teenagers in the room today, but some are a little bit awkward, you know? Uh, and so Chip was, I mean, he was, he was funny. So he, his favorite thing to do, he would wear like three-piece suits all the time. Like he wore it to church, and that's cool. I like, you know, if you wear a suit today, good for you. But, but he would wear it to like Burger King on a Thursday. He'd walk in with his three-piece, long, scraggly hair. He would just say things to get a rise out of people. Like he would stand by the door at church. I, I don't know if he really wanted to come. I think his grandmother kind of made him come, but he would come, and uh, he would stand by the, and he would just say things out loud to just make people really uncomfortable. I think one time he came to youth group just to see how many swears he could shout before I would say, come on, you know, like, he was just that kind of a kid. He liked to push the buttons, whatever the line was, he wanted to cross it, and he, he was just, he was just a character, right? And he told me, he would just tell me to my face, like, I'm here, I don't believe in Jesus, I'm not here for that. Cool. I, I don't know, for whatever reason, he didn't really intimidate me. I just, he was weird and kind of funny. But here's the thing, he was really gifted at music. He would play the piano. He loved Elton John. He could play every Elton John song by heart. And he, he would just sit there at the piano. And so I had this crazy idea. Maybe it was stupid, but it was a crazy idea. We had a, a youth band, which it's really not a band. It was me hacking at a guitar and like three kids terrified holding a microphone. But that was our youth band, right? So I was like, man, why don't I invite Chip to play the piano with us? As long as he doesn't shout obscenities into the microphone, what could go wrong, right? This will be great. If he can play Elton John, then surely he can play As a Deer, Pants for the Water, whatever song we were playing, you know? So I invited him, and he came, and I'll never forget, the first week he played, it was youth group, and we had a group there, and we, we were done with the music, and he stood up from the piano, he'd just done his thing, and he walks down the middle of the aisle where we were meeting and walks out the door and leaves. It was like, he's done, you know? I was like, all right. <laughs> he did that a few times. And really what was it for me is an exercise and grace, but more than that, of understanding. Because in that process, I feel like the Lord gave me a heart to really want to understand him, understand his story and his journey. And truth is, he had a lot of brokenness in his life and a lot of reasons to be disappointed in the church and disappointed in God. And so he, he just kept coming, and more often than not, it would go okay. And the time came for us to move uh, from the church and uh, move into Harrisonburg, and I lost touch with Chip a little bit. But then... Crazy thing happened. I, I wouldn't get updates all the time. I wouldn't check in. But I began to hear stories uh, about Chip. And this, this guy who was, you know, really out there and kind of, you know, the, the kid that came to youth group that made you the most nervous, I found out that he, he really began to open up his heart to Jesus. And God really began to transform his life. And then, crazy, crazy thing, this kid Chip felt a call to ministry. He wanted to be a pastor. Of all the people, you know, I just would kind of chuckle, really. And the crazy thing today, today, Chip is following Jesus passionately. And he is not a typical pastor that you might experience other ways. But, but he is, God is using his life in powerful ways to lead other people into relationship with Christ. Why do I tell you that story? There was no time in my ministry where I would have said, well, God's never going to reach him. I wouldn't have said that. But you know, it would have been really easy it would have been really easy in my youth ministry, you know, that, to kind of have the kids over here that kind of knew and understood, and then, and then, and then Chip over there to kind of feel like, well, that, he's never going to get it. 
He's so, he's so broken. He's so bitter. He's so jaded. And honestly, it's not anything that I did. I fed him Burger King a couple times and let him play the piano. It's really not about that. But the power of God began to work and transform his life. And the truth is, the heart of God is for all people. All people. I tell you that story because maybe today you can identify with a few people like that in your life. Maybe it'd be really easy to write them off. It'd be really easy to kind of build a, a barrier there and <laughs> make you a little bit uncomfortable. But the truth of the gospel is the heart of God is for all people to come to know him. So why prayer? Why, why is this? So in, in, in our series, why is this the next step for us? as we take this journey and having a heart for people around us that are broken and hurting. Well, uh, first, a couple things we know, we'll get back to 1 Timothy 2, but what, what do we know about prayer? We know, God's word tells us that prayer is powerful and effective. James chapter five tells us that. The prayer of the righteous, that's a really big word, you know, churchy word, what does that mean? The prayer of someone who is in right relationship with God, that person's prayer is powerful and effective. What does that mean? Powerful meaning that there is power in prayer, not my power and not your power. There is divine power, that's hard to understand, isn't it? Because we kind of only understand what we can do. But when we pray, God's power is at work through our prayers. And it's not just powerful, but prayer is effective. Stuff happens when we pray. And we really don't get that, do we? Because we can't see it. And a lot of times we're praying and we don't see anything happening. But God's word tells us when people that are in right relationship with God pray, it's powerful and it does stuff. That's a terrible right, description of effective. Prayer does stuff, right? That's what it does. Prayer is powerful and it does stuff. Stuff happens when we pray. But next, what does God's word say? Paul, same guy writing here, writes to the church in Ephesus. And he talks about a battle. Not a battle between you and your neighbor. Not a battle between you and the people you don't like. But a spiritual battle. And he says this in Ephesians. He says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not a physical battle. But it's against rulers and authorities and powers in this dark world. Spiritual forces of evil. And the truth is, when we pray, prayer is a weapon that we use in a battle that we can't see. And I know that that's kind of blows my mind, I'm going to be honest. But we can't fight a, a spiritual battle with physical, no, no, no. The, the prayer is the weapon that we've been given by God to fight that battle. That as we pray, it's powerful and effective. It's a tool, it's a weapon that we use as we battle the spiritual forces, the enemy that wants to kill and destroy us. All of that is true, but yet I think there's one more reason that we must pray. I think there's one more reason that as we ask the Lord to reveal to us people in our lives that need hope, and we ask the Lord, Lord, what is it you want me to do in their lives? I think there's another compelling reason that we must pray, and it's this. See, it's not just that God works through our prayers. That's very true. I hope I just shared that with you. We could preach on that for weeks and weeks. But James 5, right? Ephesians 6, they tell us that God works as we pray. Stuff's happening through our prayers. That's beautiful. But the truth is also, as we pray, God works in us. And that's why this is so essential. Because both matter. See, it matters that God works through our prayers, but it matters just as much that as we pray for broken and hurting people, God works in us. God works in us. You know what happens in my life when I start to take seriously this call to pray? God begins to align my heart with his heart. 
and I realized, wow, I've been really prideful, haven't I? I've had these attitudes toward people around me. I build up a wall and divide myself, separate myself from people that are not like me. And you know what, God, that's, that's not of you, is it? I repent of that. God, I've had attitudes toward people that have hurt me. And I've, I've kind of said, nope, not them. You, I'm not going to love them. And Lord, but, but as I pray, you don't just work through my prayers. You work in me as I pray to reveal things that don't please you. And you give me thoughts, your thoughts in my mind, not my own. You, you help my attitudes to be pleasing in your sight. And God begins to refine our hearts in his image. That's why I believe Paul implores Timothy to pray in this way. Yes, prayer is powerful, but prayer also aligns us with the heart of God. For all people, all people, if we're serious, if we're serious about the mission that God's called us to, to bring hope to others. If we are serious about that, then we must pray. We must pray, God, give us hearts that beat as one with your heart. Lord, give us a heart for all people, all people. A couple years ago, um, our, our district superintendent, uh, that's a big fancy term in the Church of Nazarene for my boss. Uh, we, in the Church of Nazarene, we have districts. And so in Virginia, there's about 100 uh, ch- churches, congregations, campuses for the Church of the Nazarene. And so uh, we have a leader. And so uh, his name is Phil, Dr. Phil Fuller. And so he was sharing with a group of us pastors. And he began to talk about this desire, this heart for people around us that, that need hope, that need Jesus. And he began to challenge us. And so he asked a question. And at first, I didn't really understand the question. But he, he just said, what's your spiritual temperature for lost people? And what does that mean? And so he began to describe what he means by that. In your day-to-day life, how often are you thinking about people that don't know the Lord? How often are you burdened for people that really are hopeless? How often do you pray not just for you and what you need and for your friends and the people. But how often do you pray for those that seem lost? How, how, how much time do you spend praying for people that don't believe what you believe and think what you think and agree with you? It was a convicting question. And then, to make matters worse, I like when there's rhetorical questions. Because then I can kind of answer and then I'll have to tell. He wanted us to answer out loud. And he was transparent and honest, and the truth is, in a room even full of several pastors, most of us, our numbers were not very high. I think I said three with a question mark, which was really, really not a strong three, right? Like, like look, that's embarrassing as a pastor, but it's like I spend time planning ministry, planning a message, and, and, and too many times I'm not, I'm not really thinking about people around me that are lost. I'm not really thinking about people that are far from the Lord. I'm not, I'm not asking enough. I might pray every now and then, but I'm not really spending regular time coming before the Lord in prayer for people in my life that are hopeless and really need hope. And so I gave my number and, you know, was embarrassed or on it, whatever. And then, and then he, he asked one more question. And it really wasn't a question as far as a prayer. He said, what if What if we collectively, and again, it was a room full of of pastors and leaders. What if we collectively began to pray this way? Lord, would you help raise my temperature even one degree? In other words, maybe I'm a three today and I'm just going to be, I'm not really outgoing. I'm pretty introverted. I don't like talking to people. 
all of that, you know, all the things and the reason, I get it, but, but then not, Lord, shoot me out of bed tomorrow, make me a 10, I'm going to be on fire, I'm going to tell everybody I know, they're going to know, you know, it's like, oh, okay, that's beautiful, maybe, I think the Lord can do that, but, but what if a prayer is like, Lord, here's where I'm at, I, I'm praying, because I, I believe God works through prayer, right, but he also works in us as we pray, God, God as I pray, I'm just asking, would you raise my temperature one degree? I might be a three, I might be a four. I might be, and Lord, I want to I have a heart for all people. I want to have your heart for all people, but right now I'm like a three. So Lord, would you help me through your power and your strength, would you help me raise just one degree? Would you, would you help me just one step at a time? Give me, give me your heart and your passion. And that, that's a beautiful prayer. That's a prayer I know the Lord would honor. So today, I, I, we begin uh, this second week of the series and, and take this next step. And I want to ask you that same question today. What would your spiritual temperature be? For all, all people. That's the heart of God, isn't it? For all people. Not just, not just celebrating the 99 that have gathered here. Praise the Lord. I love that. But Jesus said there's more rejoicing in heaven when one, one who was lost... So who's the one today in your life? Don't tell them. Don't call them that. You're my one. Bullseye on you. Don't. Please don't do that. But would you be honest enough with yourself and before the Lord to say, there's at least one person in my life. In their life, it's, it's hard. So I'm going to begin. What am I going to begin? Lord, help me understand. I don't understand them at times. I don't. But Lord, give me a heart to understand them. And then, and then, I'm going to commit to pray. And I'm praying for all people. And because of that, God... You're going to help me align my heart and my thoughts and my attitudes with your heart. And you're going to give me your vision. You're going to give me the mind of Christ as I pray for even that, that one in my life. Maybe the one I believe somehow I've convinced myself. God can't love them. They're too far gone. I'm going to invite you to stand. The band's going to come and they're going to help us. We're going to spend a couple minutes being quiet before the Lord and praying. <laughs> Praying, inviting the Lord to speak to us. See, isn't that the beauty of prayer? Prayer is not just, God, let me tell you some things. Get ready. I'm going to give you my list, and you, you write it down, Lord. No, but prayer is also God telling us some stuff. In fact, I'm learning more and more that the most essential things that happen in prayer are not what I say to the Lord, but what he wants to say to me. And so today, maybe the Lord wants to say some stuff to you about people in your life that are hurting. Maybe if there are far too many people in your life that look like you and believe what you believe, and, and, and that, you know, that's community. But maybe the Lord wants to challenge that in you and in me. And as you would pray, he would begin to give you a heart for all people. I don't know what it is today, but I'm confident if we would take a moment to pray, God wants to speak to you. Would you bow your heads? Uh, the words of the song we're about to sing are, remind me of, of Jeremiah 29 where, where the Lord says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So the good news today is if we seek him, <laughs> we find him. So as the band begins to play, would you seek him today? Would you come before him in prayer? And oh, he's going to work through your prayers. He is. Prayer's powerful. It's effective. Things are happening as we pray that we can't even see and comprehend and understand. But God, God wants to work in you as you pray. 
that transform that we talked about. And he wants to keep transforming you. And maybe today there's some pride. Maybe there's uh, some walls that you've built up around yourself. You've kept yourself a little insulated from other people. Maybe there's a laundry list of reasons why you believe God can't work or move in that person's life. And today he just wants to invite you to come before him in prayer. Say some things. Oh man, cry out to him, but would you, would you let him say some things to you? God, today, I believe it pleases you when, when your children seeking to be in right relationship come before you in prayer. I believe you, you there's never a, a time in my life where you're satisfied that I've prayed enough, Lord, I know that. But today, I believe you also want to speak to us through prayer. So we, we repent today. We confess. We admit that we don't have all the answers. That we are susceptible at times to pride. That, that we need to be humbled. That even this idea of talking about those that, that need hope. It's, you're the only hope that anyone has. It's not us. So Lord, open our eyes and break our hearts for what breaks yours. Give us the mind of Christ. And we're confident that as we pray, God, you, you desire to do that even now. We come before you. Speak to us, Lord. We're listening. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel for updates and new episodes. And if you have any questions about our church or ministries, go ahead and email us at info at cotnaz.org.